Welcome to Mind Love, episode 286. Today's episode is all about changing your relationship with money with the happy money mindset. I spent $100,000 for the gift, but I got more for book royalty as a result of giving. So in spirituality, all the gift you give is stored somewhere. I, I call it heaven's account. And it's stored somewhere. And once again, also, if you have lost money in the past with cryptocurrency investing or stock or, or scam, it's not completely lost forever. I, I think it's stored somewhere in the heaven because the goddess of abundance came in and said, oh, you don't know how to control money. So we're going to confiscate the money and just store it temporarily at the heaven's safe deposit. And when you're ready, we'll send the money back. I think that's a deal. And a lot of people want to know the passcode. So the passcode is in your heart. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. If this is your first time giving your mind a little love, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Mind love is a habit, and the more you give your mind that love and intention, the better you'll feel about yourself and your life. Plus, it's really a win-win because more subscribers means mind love attracts even more amazing guests to bring you their wisdom. So don't forget to subscribe. Today, I would love to share a review from Clary Belly, who says, a must listen. This show is so real and authentic. The stories are so inspirational, raw, and refreshing. I love the insights and the content on here. 10 out of 10. Well, thank you so much. I loved receiving this all the way from the Philippines. It just blesses my heart that there's people listening all around the world. So thank you for taking the time to leave this review. What emotions come up when you think about money? What about when you think of your particular money situation? For a lot of people, money is a source of negative feelings like fear, stress, and anger. And because of this, finances can break apart relationships and even ruin lives. But in reality, money is just a number on a piece of paper. It's also an illusion in a way. It's a social construct that we've all agreed to. We've decided that it has value to exchange goods and services, to be a measure of wealth, but it also holds power over our emotional states. We tie our financial situations directly to our social status, which influences our self-worth and our self-esteem. Money has become an obsession for people, whether you have it or not. Most people are either consumed with accumulating as much as possible, or it's the center of their stress and their conflicts. And it all comes down to our relationships with money. Some people have a healthy relationship with money, understanding its value and using it as a tool to achieve their goals. They budget their money, they save for the future and use credit responsibly. And other people, I'd say most people, have a negative relationship with money, viewing it as a source of stress or constantly striving for more without a clear plan on how to use it wisely, which can lead to overspending, debt, and financial instability. And this relationship usually stems from our upbringings, the things we heard about money, how we learned or didn't learn about it. I don't think I've ever had the best relationship with money. My husband and I talk about it a lot because we had different financial experiences as children, but came out with some similarities and mindset. 
he grew up hearing things like, that's going to cost money that we don't have, and we can't afford that, quite often. His family was rich in love and land, but he perceived that they were financially poor. I grew up pretty typical middle class. My stepdad had a good job. My mom stayed at home. And yeah, I heard we can't afford that a number of times. And even knowing that we were comfortable enough, I remember feeling panic. Like, what does it mean if we can't afford something? How will we buy food? Is there no more money left? But overall, I think if we could go back and choose, we both wished that we would have learned more about building wealth, things like investing or passive income. So it's one of the things that we are determined to master. Things like finding ways to make our money work for us so that it actually grows instead of just putting it in an account at a 1% interest rate so that big banks can loan it out to everyone else and they profit off of it. (laughs) The whole system is screwed. But the only way that we can pass down a better mindset to our kids is if we first transform our own. Shane and I have noticed that our mindsets around money will have an almost immediate impact on our financial situations. There have been times that we've both been really stressed, but we've come together to help each other just get into a better mental state, and then immediately a payment will come through. It's kind of wild, but that's the way life seems to work in general. I wake up in a bad mood and immediately stub my toe, (laughs) or I get mad at another driver on the road and then four more slow drivers will suddenly appear. I believe that we encounter, or you could even say, create situations that will keep us in the emotional state or the vibrational frequency that we're already in. So when we apply this to money, the worse we feel about it, chances are the worse our situations will become. But there's the catch 22. How do you feel good about money when it's a source of struggle? Well, that's what we're talking about today. Our guest is Ken Honda. He's a best-selling self-development author in Japan with book sales surpassing 7 million copies since 2001. And his latest book is called Happy Money, The Japanese Art of Making Peace with Your Money. So three key things we will learn are how to uncover our own personal meanings around money and why it's important, the truth behind the myth of scarcity, and how to transform your financial mindset even when it stresses you out. Before we totally expand our minds, I want to invite you to wake up to the morning mind love. Every weekday morning, you just get a little inspiration to set your tone for the day and give you something positive to focus on. Think of it like a short note from your higher self. Plus, when you sign up, you get two free gifts, a super powerful 30-minute affirmation meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. And it's all completely free. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, just text the word MORNING to 33777. That's MORNING to 33777. And now let's welcome Zen millionaire Ken Honda. Thank you, Melissa. I'm so happy to be here. I practiced your name a few times. I hope I said it right. Oh, yeah, it was perfect. So I'm curious. How did you get to where you are? How did you become a writer who helped people with money? A lot of people ask me that question. I always ask, you know, how long I uh, can I can I share? Because I've written, you know, people say, wow, your experience is like, you know, you can write a whole book. And I have written over 100 books. So, you know, um, my mother always used to tell me that you talk too much. So, you know, I'll just give you the short version. 
So I was retired for my baby girl when I was 29, and I, uh, oh, it's almost like 24 years. Uh, my wife and I found out that she, she was pregnant. So I thought we didn't have a, a different time, you know, line. I, I thought for two weeks, maybe, you know, a Japanese guys work hard. And my wife meant like a year. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Like time off of uh, our schedule, two weeks for me in my mind and, and a year for her. And okay, I agreed to have a little time off. And two weeks was just went so fast and another week, another week. And then, you know, I started to slow down. So we ended up having a four year uh, break off of our life. So we just uh, concentrated on child raising for four years. And uh, during the four years, I had this inspiration to write. And before that, I was doing accounting, consulting. And during the semi retirement as an investor, um, I made a living or we had enough uh, financial background. So uh, we were concentrating on baby, a uh, baby girl, probably three years into the semi retirement. I got this inspiration to write and I wrote something. My friend said, that's great. And he um, asked me to write more, which I did. So I ended up uh, writing uh, 26 page short essays on happiness and money. And that became a booklet. And later on, that became a book and a national bestseller sold about 100,000 copies. And the rest is history. I know that you've read a, or written a bunch of books, so you've actually mm -hmm. been on my radar a while, so I'm excited for this interview. But Yes, me too. The most recent book, Happy Money, you had mm -hmm. this really unique story that inspired it. Can you share it? Uh, which one? <laughs> About the woman taking your wallet. Oh, okay, that one. <laughs> yes. Uh, I have a lot of stories. So um, I was at the party, I think in Nagoya, uh, where I was chatting with four or five people. They asked me questions. And uh, this woman approached me and she tapped me on the shoulders and, and said, uh, Ken, can I take a look at your wallet? And at the time, uh, people were interested in celebrities' wallet, you know, like, uh, I wouldn't you be interested in Justin Bieber's wallet, Mariah Carey? They, they do even have a wallet. And <laughs> so there is a, like a magazine article, which one is good and the big one and the small ones. And, uh, and so I said, okay, well, I feel a little under, you know, uh, validated. Whoa. So you think of me as a, you know, like a celebrity, but I said, make sure, you know, give it back to me. And Japan is a safe country. When you leave your belongings, you know, uh, people report it to police or uh, at the Starbucks, you know, I go to a bathroom with my, you know, stuff on my seat, nobody bothers. And she said, okay. And she was checking something. So I got distracted from our conversation and she was saying, this is good. This is okay. Oh, this is nice. So I got really curious and, and she said, uh, Ken, all your money is good. So, um, you passed the test. I said, whoa, 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 what did I, what did I pass? And she said, all your money is smiling. So that means you must have made a lot of people happy. And as a result, you received this money. So, uh, you're a happy man. And I said, Whoa, that's interesting. And, uh, she said, on the other hand, your money can be crying in your wallet or getting angry in your wallet. And I said, why is that? It's because the way you receive money by um, doing what you don't like or you uh, take advantage of other people. And as a result, your money is crying in your wallet. And I said, wow, that's interesting. And she really put me into thinking on that night. So I, I thought of many friends and uncles. Oh, that person's wallet. <laughs> Definitely money is crying. <laughs> I have a best friend 
must be smiling. So uh, since then, I categorize the, you know, my friends and people I meet into two people, uh, many smiling people and many sad people. And uh, later on, I just name it happy money. So uh, people with happy money or unhappy money. So it sounds like the difference between happy money and unhappy money is the way that you earn it. Is that correct? Uh, the way you receive it and also the way you spend it. So uh, happy money gives you joy when you receive it because, you know, your client, your, your company chose you out of thousands of other candidates as a coach or employee. So you feel so happy and blessed for receiving the money. So instead of complaining, oh, you know, how can I make both ends meet with this? You know, people get upset over the money they receive. That is unhappy money. And on the other hand, um, when you spend it, uh, does that give you joy? And once again, a lot of us are, are feeling frustrated when we take a look at the bill. We feel like, you know, overwhelmed. Ooh, you know, electricity and uh, gas and a lot of things, are uh, prices are going up. So we feel pinched. And then I don't want to pay, you know. And, and then you gradually pay for the bills. That is unhappy money. So when we have these feelings around the way we receive it, the way we spend it, do you find that most of it is based on how we're dealing with it in the present moment, such as, you know, how we just earned it or what we're spending it on? Or do our past experiences and the programming or the language that we've learned around money, how much does that mm -hmm. affect mm -hmm. if our money is happy or not? If there's one topic that keeps coming up in my women's circles, it's our hormones. Frankly, I think that between years of birth control or beauty products that mess with endocrine function, a lot of us are just out of whack. Estro Control is a formula developed by Happy Mammoth, a supplement company dedicated to making women's lives easier. It has science-backed herbal extracts that help support hormonal health, especially in women who suffer from PMS. The way EstroControl eases PMS is pretty interesting. The ingredients support the liver, and that's where our hormones get processed, especially estrogen. So when the estrogen isn't processed well in the liver, women may start having PMS, spots on the skin, they get cravings, they feel low all of a sudden. Estro Control was created to help women feel like themselves all throughout the month because PMS can basically rob us of a week of our lives every month. Totally not fair. Estro Control is made specifically for women who are premenopausal, so it's perfect for women that haven't entered menopause yet. And in fact, it's amazing for perimenopause when hormones start to fluctuate and PMS can turn into a beast. I have been relearning myself postpartum. I just started my period again when my baby was 10 months and I forgot how wild these hormone changes can be. I wanted something to just maintain optimal hormone levels and help with mild mood swings, and Estro Control is perfect for this. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com with promo code MINDLOVE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use promo code MINDLOVE for 15% off your first order. I have always been someone who's prioritized wellness. Well, at least what I understood about it at the time, which has definitely evolved. But now I live in a town where some of my conveniences just aren't as accessible as when I lived in L.A. Then I found Aloe Moves and my whole experience changed. I've been an avid yogi for 16 years, but frankly, I am just underwhelmed by most online yoga. Their flows are either too easy or not varied enough. 
Well, Allo Moves has everything. Of course, they have an endless selection of beginner content, since that is the category most people fall into, but they even have advanced and yoga teacher-focused content. They are the only online platform that I can find that I can narrow down the time that I'm looking for precisely. Like, I have 38 minutes today. What you got? <laughs> they have something for every mood. Trying to get a good sweat? Try their award-winning workouts like sweat-inducing yoga flows, hit classes, or reformer Pilates workouts with or without weights. Or find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and even journaling for those quiet moments. And when it comes to sleep, it's just as important as fitness and nutrition. Ever since I watched The Art of Sleep on Allo Moves, I've been falling asleep faster and staying asleep longer. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Allo Moves. Go to allomoves.com now and use code MINDLOVE for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com code MINDLOVE. allomoves.com code MINDLOVE. Our past experiences and the programming or the language that we've learned around money, how much does that mm -hmm. affect mm -hmm. if our money is happy or not? Yeah, great, Melissa. You're asking me great questions. Thank you. That's exactly the point. You know, have you ever had this experience like you're feeling so good about shopping and the second you thought of like, oh, this is great. You know, I worked in a, so hard. So uh, for a Christmas present for your partner and for yourself, this is worth it. And at the exact time, of payment, your mom, who passed away a few years ago, is telling you that's too expensive. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> are you worth it? And then, ah, oh, mom, you know, you passed away. Don't tell me what to do or what not to do. So our programming definitely influences us. At the same time, we can have this option, you know, the choice at the present moment. But uh, our life is not that simple. Uh, as much as we want to choose our path, at the same time, we're being uh, heckled and, you know, told from the back. Could be your grandparents who are saying like, you know, during the depression time, we had a, we had a hard time. So I think you should save your money. So it's not your voice. Uh, it could be grandparents' voice through your parents. So by the time you're born, your grandparents may not be there. But still the programming in the 1930s, back then, almost like 90 years ago, uh, passed on through your parents. Yeah, I was already hearing voices as you were explaining that. <laughs> yes, I think sometimes exactly. mine's my husband. He's a little bit more of a stickler. I'm the I'm the spender. He's the saver, uh -huh. <laughs> which yeah, is a nice good combination. <laughs> but <laughs> one of the questions that you ask people early on is what money means to them. Why is that question important? What does it uncover? So um, my favorite question is, if money was a person, who would it be? Would that be a fun, exciting person? Or would that be a scary, like assassin type of people? It depends on your financial situation and also emotional situation. Because uh, if you are a happy person, you know, happy money people, uh, money is uh, very friendly and also very uh, forgiving, uh, generous, and the money will be right there when you need it. And if you go to hospital, he or she will, uh, will be right there. And then if you want to go on a vacation, uh, she or he will say, uh, like Expedia, got it. <laughs> and then uh, uh, all the details are taken care of. But if you're an unhappy money person, uh, that person may be quiet, intimidating, mean, cold, not friendly. So when you think of doing something, 
uh, he or she will tell you, no, you're not worth it. We don't have kind of uh, that kind of money. So uh, you've been bossed around and, and at least not treated nice. The most important thing for your daily happiness is how you interact with money. So that's why I teach uh, happy money concept. Uh, and it, you don't have to become a millionaire or billionaire to have a happy money flow in your life. That makes sense. But one of the things that's difficult for people who have less money mm-hmm. is when it comes to this idea of giving and as much as you know, the sole aspect of self wants to give, mm-hmm. give and give and give. And it's like, well, I only have a choice to give this or to pay my bills with it, if, especially mm-hmm. if they're living paycheck to paycheck. And so how do you get around this idea or how do you change your, your concept of money when so often the people that have the negative feelings around it might mm-hmm. be in fight or flight. It might be in this survival mode because I know that when our brains are in survival mode, it's almost hard to access those deeper, happy emotions. Yeah. So for those of you who are struggling with money, you have to go beyond the survival level for yourself and for your family. Otherwise, you can't even breathe. You know, I understand that financial situation can choke you uh, and can can put somebody to death, you know, when they think of money, they might have a heart attack, right? So I have a collection of stories, like uh, one of the uh, my participants' uh, aunt got a heart attack when she opened the bill, you know? That's how money uh, have an impact on people. So I can really feel uh, the, the struggle that to make both ends meet, but that could give you also the inspiration to get out of that unpleasant situation. To do that, the financial problem is only two things. You make too little or you spend too much. And I think uh, for people who are struggling financially, they're doing both. Uh, for example, they don't have the right uh, job. In other words, they're in the wrong place. And also because of uh, stress, uh, they buy like stupid things. You know, Wealthy people don't shop too much because they're already content. So they don't go to a dollar shop to get like 30 different things. But if you uh, have a financial problem, those are the ones who buy something that they don't even use. So you have to take a look at the finance from emotional perspective. The reason why you're getting paid less is that your job is not the right uh, fit for you. So you have to be at the right place where you can appreciate yourself. You can have all the people appreciate you. So you have to take advantage of your gifts. You have to do what you're good at. A lot of people who are struggling financially, they're doing what that anybody can do. So you have to f- do something that um, you can take advantage of your gifts. So um, those jobs are getting paying you uh, more and then uh, your self-image will go up and then you get another job. And maybe you start your own business or you're getting paid high, uh, more by doing what you love. So you have to be at the job that you are good at and also what you love. And once you're in the right place, you're going to shine. And then your clients will love you. Your boss will love you. Your colleagues will respect you. If you are in the situation, the whole thing will shift. So you have to get out of the place that you don't deserve. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And one of the things that I've realized is the amounts of times that I'm feeling stressed about money, a lot of times I can zoom out 
And my particular situation isn't any different. I still mm-hmm. have a roof over my head. I still have food to eat. I recognize mm-hmm. that's not the case for everybody that's struggling with this. But most often, and for most of the people that I know, it's like, oh, I'm stressed about money. And it, and it's because they're, they looked at the numbers in their bank account, which mm-hmm. I'm not saying are meaningless, but you do talk about how money is an illusion a lot of the time. So can you elaborate on that? Because I think it's really helpful sometimes to just step back and actually look at what is what this thing is that we're so stressed out about. Yeah. So um, my national, one of the, my national bestsellers title is where did my money disappear? And I wrote it 10 years ago about the collapse of capitalism and the beginning of a new era. And in that, you know, with a sarcasm, uh, and also a, a black humor, I talk about the uh, elephant village that uh, um, this um, the whole investing is a, was a scam, but everybody's getting you know involved in the scam, and it, that's exactly what happened with bitcoins and, and cryptocurrency. So all the money you thought you had in the bank account or in a crypto wallet, I mean, one of the most important uh, feature of cryptocurrency is that all the data is stored somewhere, so the money is safe. But yet, uh, all the news we hear is like all the money you deposited is now gone. So what's wrong with it? You know, if you're deposited and recorded somewhere, it must be, it has to be safe. But you know, this, the whole scam, at least for the past 10 years, is uh, cryptocurrency related. So all the money you think you had in your bank account is not there because that money uh, right after you receive on, on, on the bank account is already loaned to China and they're building something, big building that uh, not finished yet. And all the money that you deposited is going to Greece or Africa, you know, two seconds after you just um, you, you just punch in the numbers. So all the money you think you have is gone actually. And tomorrow you may be able to withdraw some money or just, you know, you can transfer the money digitally, but you never know. So we're going to experience some kind of a crash. I've been t- teaching about this for the past three years. So, you know, uh, you have to understand what, what money is and what money does to you. And unless you find your true financial independence and uh, uh, emotional independence, you get sucked into this um, uh, capitalism. And we are dancing to the tune that all the big companies are playing. You have to buy this, a new car, you deserve it, you know, cosmetics and the manicures and pedicures and the everything, right? So uh, I, don't, I don't deny uh, commercialism, but do we need like 200 shirts? Do we need three cars? Do we need four homes? And do we need so many things? Um, some people may need them, but you, not everybody. So unless you, you tell yourself when or how much is enough, you are stuck. Uh, you're sucked into this. I want more. I want more. I want to get make more money. I want to spend more money. And this is a hell. I feel called out. I'm looking at my fresh pedicure right now. <laughs> <laughs> but you're so right. I definitely know I tend to spend more when I'm feeling I guess emotionally unstable. It's like when I'm feeling mm-hmm. like I'm not secure in my in anything. It could be mm-hmm. I, I'm in a new role in life or I'm not feeling as confident about work. And it's so counterintuitive because you'd think that I would spend more when I felt really good about it. <laughs> it yes. tends to be quite the opposite. Yeah. So people react different ways. Some people, when they feel insecure, they make more money. They gamble money. They save more money. You know, they stay indifferent to money. 
So we have a different way of reacting to the same money worries and fears. That's why I'm so fascinated. We have different personalities and that's what make us so interesting. Talked about the illusion of money, but you also teach about the myth of scarcity. Uh-huh. What can you go into detail about that? Because I'm sure there are people living out there that are like, talk about the myth of scarcity, but I actually don't have food in my <laughs> in my fridge. So wh- why is it a myth? Because, uh, you know, we think that uh, we don't have enough. So that's why uh, we struggle. That's why we worry. That's what we have to save. But when, in fact, you know, if you're connected to a community, if you're connected to your friends and family members, um, you don't have to worry about it. You know, I, I feel a little sorry for uh, uh, Western culture people uh, because they're so separated from one another. You know, um, like money taboos. You know, I, I just came back from the world tour. So I really enjoy talking with, uh, uh, say, Finnish people and, and Swedish and German, English and uh, American and Australian and Chinese. You know, all, they have different rules. And North American people have such a funny taboos around money. Like, for example, I'm a little off the side track, but this could be interesting. You know, uh, if you're college buddies or like if you're close friends, like say 10 people or at the college party, uh, you don't usually uh, ask people how much you make a year or how much you have. It's like a special taboo in North America. So when you uh, your classmate asks you, hey, uh, Melissa, how much are you making? You know, like how much did you make last year? That could be a very rude question, right? And that could really um, just uh, put people off. And uh, that could be very embarrassing questions. So uh, it, money is uh, so much taboo in North America. I hear you don't talk about between uh, brothers and sisters. Like in Japan and China and probably other countries, we casually talk about how much money we make. And uh, we say, wow, congratulations. You know, in a high school reunion, we, we often talk about how much you make. Wow, Melissa, you're doing great. I'm so happy for you. So that doesn't really happen um, in North American culture. I'm not just saying uh, that's right right or wrong. You could, you know, make them faint when you just directly ask you how much money. But the funny thing is the same taboo is in Japan about sexual issues. We don't talk about sexual issues as open as North American culture. So if Japanese businessmen are trying to faint you with, you know, how much money you make, you can ask him, uh, how is your sexual life? And then (laughs) he's going to faint. So it's the same cultural um, thing. But uh, going back to where we started. So we are believing that bank account is the only security. But I think even in North America, uh, look at Latin people, you know, they're connected. If they have no money, their relatives, uncles, or, you know, uh, niece are going to help you. So once you know that uh, you don't have anything in your fridge, there could be uh, a lot of food in your neighbors. So uh, it's almost like you're having a joint account with other people. But if you're separated, if you don't talk about money with your brother and sister, and if you can ask your brother casually, you know, how are you doing? Uh, Melissa, can you uh, send me like $5,000? I'm a little short, you know. You don't probably don't do that as much. So uh, other culture, they do that. You know, it's all as if like, hey, Melissa, I don't have salt. Can you bring it over next time? You know. And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? 
Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero-sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. I am reminded of a story when I was working for a startup I randomly happened to come across a document that had everybody's salaries on it. And I uh-huh. just, I don't have a lot of taboos. I'll talk mm-hmm. about anything. I don't feel uncomfortable when people bring mm-hmm. up the weirdest topics. Mm-hmm. And so I always have to remind myself, other people feel uncomfortable about this. Because <laughs> yes. if it were up to me, I would just talk about money. And so I came across everyone's salaries and uh, it ended up, I did end up, sharing it with somebody i accidentally saw this and i was just like oh my gosh i saw this i saw everyone's bonuses crazy how different they are you know and um and ended up getting called in to my (laughs) ceo's office and (laughs) it was like this big taboo thing yes and i thought about that for a while at the time i was in my early 20s and so i understood even less Mm -hmm. why this was so taboo and i thought to myself this only benefits the head of the company because yes. if we don't know how much each other's makes, we don't have an expectation to set it against. We're not asking for a raise because we do just as much as this person. He can basically come to each of us individually and sort of drill into our self-worth and be like, well, Melissa doesn't expect to earn more than this, so she doesn't even realize she's making half of what everyone else is. Right. And so I wonder how much of those taboos are kind of created by the systems that hold us in. (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. So that's why I'm saying like, look at this, you know, um, world is not made as you think it is, but we think that's the way it goes. So once you're out of this scarcity mentality and once you have taboos, you know, like uh, I came back from Finland and the Northern um, European people, they don't have a taboo about being naked. Uh, So uh, men and women, they often, if they're close, they often go to a sauna, everybody's naked. But in North America, you could probably, free, you know, freak out if your dad, your mom and, you know, brothers and sisters, they all come into the same small room, hot room, naked, right? That's not quite, <laughs> it, that's not accepted, right? Yeah. Well, although I would be like, yay, we're finally all free. <laughs> I'd probably one. be the first naked one. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to be very careful because other people 
have social courtesy because I don't. You know, I have a long hair. I, I break all the rules, so I have to respect other people's space. So, but so I think in in that sense, we're a little five years or ten years、uh, advanced in a sense that we are freer. But people are so stuck, and、uh, people are so afraid. So、um, when I teach about money, a lot of people ask me. Ken,、um, you have no worries because you have all the money. But I was like this before I make I, I made money. You know, money came in so、uh, smoothly because I don't have that kind of block. And going back to the scarcity mentality, the reason why I'm not afraid of going bankrupt is number one, I don't have any debt. But even though I run out of money, I have so many friends and family、uh, members who are、um, who are going to make sure that I won't fall. So I feel protected. So even if I lose everything,、uh, I can write,、um, start writing a book called "Joy of Bankruptcy: Eight Steps to Recovery," <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Or, or I can just send in my、um, my list and say, "Hi from Ken Honda.、Uh, I'm just fresh out of bankruptcy. <laughs> can you can you spare me a dollar or two? I'd be super happy.、Um, I'll just you know create a video for you. So send me something, and then probably I can." Generate enough、um, money so my family can live on for a while. So that's why I'm not worried. But if you're separated from your、um, parents, family members, and friends, and if you have nobody that you you count on, you you can lean on, uh, uh, it's scary. So、um, your relationships are super more and more important than the numbers in your bank account. Which is so ironic because. We tend to place more value on that earning of the money. Just as a culture, most、uh -huh. culture, a lot of cultures, are about you know we we spend all this time in our businesses trying to build wealth, to whatever, and and we sometimes do it at the detriment to、yes. our relationships. I think that's one of the things that's changing a lot for me. Just reaching my late thirties, starting a family,、mm -hmm. all of a sudden I'm hyper aware of those. Connections that I have, and I am fortunate too. I have a lot of people that I could fall back on if if I really needed it. I don't think as many people where I, I could just reach out and ask for money for no reason. But if I was really struggling, yeah, then,、uh -huh. then yeah. And I think that's important to realize because I notice that sometimes in my body, my body's reacting to a stress as though. Like this new venture's not gonna work. I'm gonna lose all my money. I'm gonna end up homeless, and I'm gonna die. <laughs> you know, and really, it's like, wait, why am I panicking like that? Where it's like the worst case scenario is maybe I'll have to move. Maybe I'll even have to move in with my mom, which、mm -hmm. would be pretty terrible, honestly.、Mm -hmm. That that gives me heart <laughs> palpitations. But or my grandma or somewhere, I'd have somewhere to go and. Figuring out, Tim Ferriss used to have a an exercise about basically thinking about the worst case scenario, and it's it's counterintuitive to what a lot of people think, where it's like, oh, visualize the best case scenario. But sometimes, really playing out that worst case scenario, you realize it's not quite as bad as your nervous system is acting、mm -hmm. like it is.、Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think we are so worried and and you know fight or flight mode、um, because、uh, our survival is tied with money. Like three hundred years ago, all of us are farmers, so we we used to grow our own food. So、uh, food is right there. But after you know,、uh, we moved into the city and started working in a factory. Everything costs something, like the food and the rent and the water. So、uh, I think money and our survival、uh, were strongly tied in our mind. That's why we are so scared that、um, uh, one day we may run out of money, and it's. 
it's even it goes deeper than what it really is. We talked about how we have these different relationships with money and Mm -hmm. sometimes mine might be completely different than the rest of society. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. It's the society I live in. I do kind of have to just respect people's comfort levels. But what if it's a closer relationship? Like it's between two partners and they have very different ways of communicating. Maybe one wants to communicate, the other one doesn't. One has more fear around money, the other one doesn't. How do you come together and make that an effective or productive conversation or relationship without pushing one too far? I think uh, in relationships, everything is negotiable and everything could be taboo. You know, I've done a lot of uh, family and couple counseling with money. And uh, what's interesting is that uh, when they started their relationship, they're attracted to the opposite side, uh, uh, characters, you know, the spender and ma- money maker. They are like, you know, um, instantly um, attracted to one another because from the spender perspective, money maker are the solution. Wow, thank you. You know, you're making a lot of money. Now, if I get married to you, I get to spend a lot of money. And so from a moneymaker's perspective, these men or women are so attractive because they know how to enjoy life. These guys or women, you know, they are focused on money making, so they don't know how to enjoy life. So they are instantly attracted. And But after five years, <laughs> that's when they come to my counseling. You know, they're complaining about the problems, but they are the exact reasons why they, 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 they got together. So moneymakers, they have to slow down and appreciate to enjoy with the spender people. And the spender people need to appreciate the moneymaker people. So by having a mutual respect and an understanding, you can just stay as a couple. But uh, with anything else, like sexual issues, you know, people won't have more. Uh, the other one may, may be saying like, oh, I have enough, you know. So it's the same thing. Like you have to really meet in the center between the two. So uh, unless you can do that, you cannot um, have a fulfilling relationship. So um, of course, you know, the other one, uh, this person wants to talk, the other one wants to avoid the topic because, you know, they feel like uh, they're inferior or they're not, uh, they're not satisfying the other partner. So uh, it br- brings a lot of shame, guilt, overjoy, so uh, all kinds of emotions uh, with money on the sexual uh, issues too. So unless you're willing to face it and heal it, heal the feelings together, you will just um, be in hell. So I think that's exactly the reasons why there are this, these negative feelings because after healing these negative beliefs and feelings between the two, you will be, uh, you have a stronger bones and also um, your life will be more fulfilled. So I think, Negative healings are good and money pulls out the best and the worst in you. I hope it's good news for you. Yeah, I haven't covered a lot about my money beliefs just being in a relationship and so has my husband. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting looking back on just the way both of us were raised. He grew up, I think we both consider ourselves wealthy Mm-hmm. Just in that we had amazing families and support. And mm-hmm. my family was just middle class, but we had a mm-hmm. nice house. I was never mm-hmm. embarrassed of bringing people over or anything like that. I never really felt like we were strapped. But my parents had a very traditional way of earning money. My mm-hmm. stepdad was a police officer. My mom 
ended up being a stay-at-home mom after I was about seven. And, you know, it was just putting money in savings, earning your money, whatever. There was no, there was no real understanding of growing your money in any other ways other than just that standard earning. And mm-hmm. so one of the things that we're focused on is understanding what investing looks like, understanding how to make passive income, understanding these routes of entrepreneurship. And then my husband grew up where they didn't have a lot of financial resources. They had a lot of land. And so he felt very uh, just privileged with what he could do, especially given that he's so athletic. But there was a lot of word choices about like how we can't afford that and money doesn't Mm -hmm. grow on trees and Mm -hmm. things like that. And so now that we're having kids, we're trying to be very intentional and cognizant about the way we speak about money because Mm -hmm. we can see I know how he was raised. He know how, he knows how I was raised, and we can see it coming out in our own <laughs> habits and things like that. And and so, what are some of the things that you have found are really important when you're teaching children about money, so that they grow up to have that more happy relationship mm-hmm. with money rather than the feelings of fear and scarcity. Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths a day. And get this, the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases up to 100 times more polluted, according to the EPA. And did you know that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths globally? So what's the solution? Two words, living intentionally. We have to take full responsibility for every area of our lives, including our health, which also includes our air. And that's why I love my air doctor. As a reminder, when you support my sponsors, you also support the show. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants, so your lungs don't have to. This includes pollutants like allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, spores, and even bacteria and viruses. I live in the mountains, and our air is pretty great. When I drive home, I can witness myself rising above the cloud of pollution that covers the rest of Southern California. But I know that even in the mountains, my home traps in the contaminants that my family brings inside. Plus, just sleeping one night with my air doctor, I could actually feel the difference. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day breathe-easy money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. So head to Air Doctor Pro and use promo code MIND, and depending on the model, you'll get up to $300 off. You're saving up to $300. Lock this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code MIND. That's promo code M-I-N-D. What are some of the things that you have found are really important when you're teaching children about money so that they grow up to have that more happy relationship Mm -hmm. with money rather than the feelings of fear and scarcity? I forgot to mention one thing. You know, when when the couple sit down and then talk about money, it's almost I feel like I'm talking to husband's uh, parents and also <laughs> this other one's parents too. So like I'm, I'm talking with six people. So because, you know, um, we have, we have a different way of living. So it's amazing how we can come together and start having, uh, it's almost like a, our own country. So like you are the princess from your, you know, parents kingdom and your husband comes from, he, he's a, he's a, a prince who comes from, you know, the a happy land. 
Uh, and so their constitutions are different. So I, I suggest, actually, I wrote a book called How to Teach Your Kids Happy Money. And in that book, I wrote about、uh, you have to make a constitution on your own because you are starting your own country. You know,、uh, any country can be very different, somewhat like France, US, Japan, like、uh, Sweden. There are different countries. You know,、uh, like our social、uh, welfare, like in Sweden, are pretty well done. So the other day, I went to a dentist and had a cleaning up. And、uh, you know, the bill, it was $8. you know. And then in North America, it's going to be probably $900, even if you have insurance, <laughs> right? So,、um, because、um, US is operated in a certain、uh, belief about money. And like in, in、uh, Germany, Australia, college is free. And if you're making certain money at the age of 30, you have to pay some、uh, tuition. And if you're not making that much, you don't have to pay anything. Whereas in North America, you're already、uh, in huge debt at the age 20, right? So that's capitalism.、Uh, so、uh, even though we are very similar,、uh, you know, France, US, Australia, we have a different rule. So I'm not just、uh, in a position of commenting which country is right or wrong, but、uh, I'm saying you're starting your, your own kingdom, Melissa. So you have to sit down with your husband about how, we, how you're going to teach. You have enough time. But when your、uh, child is about five or six, they're starting to realize about this reality. One time I had a chat with a、uh, six year old boy and I asked, casually asked him,、uh, what, is gonna, uh, what are you going to get for Christmas? You know, in Japan, we're not Christians, but we celebrate Christmas. So、uh, he said, I'm not going to get any Christmas present. Kind of looks sad. And, Why is that? My mom told me that we are Buddhist. So, you know, if you're a Buddhist,、uh, we, don't, um, you know, we don't get presents. Oh, really?、Uh, I think anybody, I thought anybody can get a present. And he was saying,、uh, also, my mother also said,、uh, we are poor, so we don't get a present. And it really broke my heart. You know, six year old boy, no, he doesn't even know what poor means. But Uh, his mother definitely said that. So、uh, I had a, such a hard time dealing with that. That really put me into you know, writing more books. But so you, know,、um, you have to be careful with your、um, language. Otherwise, you know, when your child is eight or nine, your、uh, husband says something and I said, no, 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 you know, Jack, that's wrong. <laughs> and, they, and you start to fight and your kids get confused. Like, okay, which one should I just you know, listen to? So, I guess you really have to come up with your new constitution. And in that, you know, any country h a v e a spending plan, right? So, like、uh, fiscal year, like you, you need, are you going to give uh, uh, kids、um, you know, allowance money or not? Or, like, what do you want to teach? So,、um, you have a lot, of, a lot on the list. Yeah, thankfully, we have tools like <laughs> Instagram and TikTok. And it sounds silly, <laughs> but I've actually learned a lot of. Tips that I've then shared with my husband, or he shared with me, where we can source ideas from other people about what sounds、uh-huh. good and what doesn't. And Great there's been There's been a couple different things that I <laughs> that I have liked. I saw this one video where the parents were teaching about socialism using <laughs> using Halloween candy. And、uh-huh. then I saw another one where they were teaching about taxes and the way they taught about taxes, because that, that was hard when I've got my first job and I'm like, oh, I make this much an hour and I'm like calculating it in my head. And then it, my paycheck comes and it's like two thirds of what I thought I was going to make. <laughs> and I saw this one family. They give allowance, but then the first thing they do is they collect the taxes 
And the tax goes into a fund, and at the end of every month, they decide as a family how they're going to use it. But it has to be something like in three categories, and they rotate through it, like something that's really needed for the house. Um, but like every uh, certain months, it can actually be used towards something fun, like a vacation or, or something like that. And so you can actually get this idea of, of uh, saving it up and, and contributing to the greater good. I thought that was really unique. But we uh, we have discussed that, like I said before, we really want to bring in the idea of building wealth in ways that aren't just the standard ways, especially since my husband and I are both entrepreneurs. And so that's something that we didn't have growing up. But we've learned a lot. And so it's definitely something that we plan to pass down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, I have a feeling, good feeling that you got, you guys are going to figure out, you know, the best plan for your, for your kids. So, you know, uh, kids who have uh, thoughtful parents, who have thoughtful parents are blessed ones. But unfortunately, most of us weren't, you know, encouraged to learn about money or um, let's just, we're just step down and scold it. So that's what the reality is. So I hope uh, a lot of more conscious parents uh, will be born. So, you know, that's another reason why I need to write more books on kit and how to raise your kids in a happy money way. And it's like a, a new operating system and it's totally different from um, um, regular ones, you know, regular, uh, regular teaching, don't waste money, you know, and then and work hard. And that and those uh, work ethics are great, but it's sort of obsolete, you know. Uh, so you have to come up with a new plan. So it's interesting. It's so chaotic about money. How to, how to deal with money? There are like twenty different ways to deal with it, and so it's different. I'm not saying uh, once again what is right or right is wrong. Which one are you going to uh, install and start operating on its own? So you have to. You have to choose the right software. Yeah, I'm I'm going to choose the software of banking on you to write a children's series within the next like <laughs> four years. That'd be good timing for our family. All right. <laughs> but, Thank you. Thank you for the order. <laughs> yeah, I'll just uh, I'll just put that in the Kickstarter campaign for you. But we've talked about how so many of our problems are actually sort of a mindset issue. I felt I felt a little called out when you're like, yeah, it's usually people that are spending too much. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, I can actually think back to all of my money issues. Even when I was uh -huh. like a poor college student, uh -huh. it was still overspending. I specifically remember being in college and being at the mall and there was this purse I really wanted. And I actually thought to myself, my bank lets me overdraft a hundred dollars so I can afford this purse. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> so I've had, I've really had to work up to, to um, being a more conscious spender. Mm -hmm. But what about people who actually do not just feel poor, but they don't have the money in their bank account, especially now that prices have been fluctuating so much. Mm -hmm. So many people in my town uh, have been, voicing their concern over grocery prices and just mm -hmm. seeing maybe they had a budget six months ago and now that budget's out the window to just afford mm -hmm. what they were affording before. And so what about the people that are truly struggling day to day? Mm -hmm. How do they still build that happy money relationship? Mm -hmm. You know, I told you before, money problems, there are only two. You're making too little, spending too much. And this time you have to spend too much, right? So uh, this side, you cannot really control. So you have to um, work on the other side, which is making more money. So <clears throat> I think uh, this whole world situation will put us in a new perspective. You know, I think we're just uh, called for a new creativity. 
everyone in the whole world has to come up with something new, uh, some new creative ways to make extra three, four hundred dollars a month. So I think this is very exciting. I think finally my age has come because we get to be creative in supporting other people. You know,、uh, maybe you you want to learn、um, how to give a manicure session or how to just read horoscope.、Uh, you know, nice haircut. Makeup may help support the makeup. Whatever that is, you have to come up with new ways to to help people. There are many ways to、uh, make a little money on the side, and that could go into something big in,、uh, later on. So you have to come up with、uh, new ideas, and all the new ideas are, are born at the hardest time of your life.、Uh, one of my friends. Uh, was uh, running a, a breakfast, a bed and breakfast in the countryside, but there's no customers, so they had no time.、Uh, they they had a lot of time because there's nobody, right? My friend had a lot of time, so she started making something like a crafts, you know, like elephant and stuff, and she displayed it on a you know a, a reception counter. And a few, very very few people who stayed in the B and B said, "Oh, that's cute." So everybody was buying something, and then. Uh, she loved the idea, so she she、uh, made one room uh, of uh, display for all the crafts she made. So、uh, what's funny is that、uh, they never visited to stay in in the place, but they they came to shop her、uh, cute crafts. And then second room and the third room, she ended up having the whole entire B and B and turn it into her craft store. And that story didn't end there. So she was asked to do、uh, more. So she opened another、uh, shop in the city. The second one, the, the third one, and how many do you think she opened? She ended up having 100 stores nationwide. And、uh, after 17 years or something, she sold the whole store to、uh, Fortune 500 comp- companies in Japan. And she's happily retired in、um, to- um, outside of Tokyo and also Hawaii. And the whole. Empire started from killing her time, and also she has to make some money because her husband's bed and breakfast was almost at the at the verge of bankruptcy. So when you have a hard time making both ends meet, that's where you have to be creative, and that would really put you out of misery and、uh, start a new life. So I'm not just saying that、uh, you know anybody can do it, but、uh, we have to come up with new ideas. Yeah, I've found that a lot of times it's in those stressful states where we don't have another option that、mm-hmm. we realize we've always had another option, you know, and like we haven't allowed ourselves to see it because we've just been seeing it through this lens of I can't lose this job or I have to get this job or whatever it is. It reminds me of a conversation I had with my parents when I was first. Looking into entrepreneurship, one of the first things that I dabbled with was having a travel blog, and my stepdad just could not understand. He's like, "Well, you still need a job. How are you going to travel all the time and keep a job?" And I'm like, "No, I can create a job out of this." And it didn't end up being my purposeful thing that I landed on, but it was my first step of really understanding creating a website, creating partnerships, affiliate marketing. Like it got me my foot in the door, and then I started、mm-hmm. to get. More intentional and ask myself the questions that allowed me to uncover the things that were really meaningful to me, the things that I was endlessly curious about. And ultimately, I realized I don't want to share with people where I went on my travels. You know, I <laughs> I just want to travel and come back and work or travel while I'm working, but 
I don't want to share with people what I'm doing the whole time. And so I asked myself, what am I endlessly curious about? What am I already learning about? Because I just can't help myself. What do people ask me questions about? And that ended up leading to the idea of mind love and just the power of the mind and how we have more control and options and freedom than we really think we do. And so I think that plays so perfectly with that. But I've also found that maybe it's that I can't see it when I'm in certain states of mind or certain states of stress, but there's also this element of of spirituality for me where when I feel really aligned, when I'm doing all of my practices, ideas will come to me opportunities will flow to me. And so I'm curious what your thoughts are about uh, any sort of spiritual element to money. Yeah, I, I just finished a six months course on spiritual money. Um, so uh, I have all the fascinating stories about um, how money comes into your life in a very spiritual way. So uh, money is energy, as I, I stated in the book. Uh, either um, it, uh, it, money itself is neutral but it could carry good energy, bad energy. If you um, are surrounded by happy energy, your money will have the energy. And then uh, people who receive happy money from you will feel happy. So um, uh, spiritually too, if you impact people in a deep way, people appreciate you. So the more people you support, the more money uh, you receive. It's, it's as simple as that. So that's why I've been teaching people how to find your gifts and start giving spiritually. And once you start giving who you are and share, start sharing who, um, what you do and uh, who you are, people will appreciate you. This appreciation is energy. So once you people, um, there is enough people who appreciate you, there is a buildup. For example, I told you that I, I gave away 100,000 copies of my uh, booklets. And, and people thought I, I was crazy because it was costing, it cost me something like a hundred thousand, one hundred thousand US dollars for a gift. And people thought it's crazy, but I really enjoyed it. So I gave people about the tips on happiness and, and abundance that, that, and I got thousands of, uh, testimonials and, uh, fun, uh, comments, uh, feedback, uh, from the booklet. And based on that, I came up with a book. So I paid uh, because uh, I spent $100,000 for, for the gift, but I got more for book royalty as a result of giving. So in spirituality, all the uh, gift you give uh, is stored somewhere. I, I call it heaven's account. And it's stored somewhere. And once again, also, uh, if, you if you have lost money in the past with cryptocurrency investing or stock or, or scam, whatever the money you, you lost, it's not completely lost forever. I, I think it's stored somewhere in the heaven, you know, uh, because the goddess of abundance came, um, came in and said, oh, you don't know how to control money. So we're going to confiscate the money and just store it temporarily at, at the seventh, you know, uh, heaven's uh, safe uh, deposit. And when you're ready, we'll send the money back. I think that's a deal. And a lot of people want to know the passcode. So the passcode is in your heart. And if you start loving yourself, if you start loving other people and start sharing who you are, and then that will be melted and then the, the account will be released in the process. So that's why I teach people to do more of uh, what you love because it's going to melt that um, uh, ice away and people can notice you. 
people will ask you more uh, for cooking and for sharing and mentoring and coaching and counseling uh, or connecting, whatever you're good at. So if you do that more, um, that will come in as a appreciation. So it's a spiritual energy. But if you receive enough spiritual energy, that gets translated into uh, numbers. And it might take a, a little while, usually three months to two years, or it could be uh, three years, but uh, your spiritual uh, giving will definitely count. So uh, don't get, don't stop there, because if you stop, it's stored in somewhere over there. Yeah, I think I trust the heavenly reserve more than I trust the federal reserve. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we have covered a lot today, so much to work yes. with. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are just resonating with the ideas about not just overspending, but that emotion that really comes with our spending habits, our saving habits, and, and how to transform that. So for listeners that are interested in learning more about you, finding your other books, where is the best place for them to connect? Uh, so you can find all the information at kenhonda.com. I'm going to share more about what I teach into English now. Uh, well, I finally found uh, great uh, volunteers, like 20 people. So we're going to uh, translate a lot of what I teach. And so, uh, and also I started a um, community called Arigato Living Community. Uh, it comes from, people come from like 20 different countries. So we get together once a month or twice uh, based on uh, uh, what time zone. So we have a lot of North American people, European people, and also Indians and Australians and uh, uh, East Asians. So um, uh, there I teach about uh, happy money and stuff. So if you want to learn more about that, uh, I hope you can join the community. All the links for this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 286. Your challenge for this week is to become aware of your current money situation. And I don't just mean become aware of your finances. I mean, become aware of the energy that you're carrying around money. When you think of your financial situation, what do you feel? When you think of spending money, how does that make you feel? Do you feel like you have any impulsive behaviors or habits around money? I know I have some of those still that I'm working on, so no judgment. The first step is always awareness. And if that's all you do with the challenge this week, that's good enough because that awareness is what allows you to tap into your inner wisdom and see the next step of what to do. But you have to be really honest about what you're feeling, what you're thinking when this topic comes to mind. Now, if you wanna take it a step further, get practical. I remember doing a money challenge a while back, and one of the first steps was just to actually become aware of my money situation, like log into my banks and my credit cards, see how much debt I'm in, see how much cash flow I have, and start to treat money like the sacred thing that it is, like you cherish it rather than you just throw it away or hoard it or whatever that may be. And so that includes the cash that you have in your wallet. Don't just crumple your money up and throw it in a pocket. Spread it out. Put it neatly in your wallet. Maybe even get a new wallet. I know that's another spending thing, but <laughs> if it's going to serve your higher good, these are the things worth spending on. One of the biggest shifts that I've made recently with money was I could feel myself, especially during 
the lockdowns and just the chaos of what was going on in the world, trying to have control over my situation by making myself feel better with spending. And so I created categories of what's actually worth spending money on, which things I can buy on the day that I think of them versus should I wait a night or three to really see if it's something that I still want or need. And so now for the material things, I put them on a list. And if at the end of the week I still want them, it goes up in priority. And then I can prioritize the things that I'm looking at rather than just buying them each individually and not really seeing how much that adds up. And instead, those go on a list but I am able to spend on things that are going to level myself up. For example, health, and not just random expensive wellness products, I mean like the tea that I want or a supplement, and also education. So if there's a new course that's gonna help me in my business or in my self-development, I think that is quite worthwhile to spend money on. Those are the things that I want to improve in my life. Those are the things in which it creates an investment in myself rather than just giving my money out to others. So let me know how it goes. Reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa. And if you have any other tips, please share them with me and I'd love to share them with the community. If you found this episode helpful, please send it to a friend or take a screenshot and tag Mind Love Melissa and Mind Love Podcast. I love seeing what you guys think about episodes. Also, when you share and write something about it, it just totally lights up my world. You can also leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Absolutely love those as well. And finally, there's the brand new Mind Love membership, and it is packed full of value. Seriously, I'm prepping for next month already. There's so many amazing courses. I did a survey and a lot of you wanted a way to get your hands on the material and actually figure out ways to integrate it into your lives and be accountable for that. And so that's what I created this membership for. So you can find that at mindlove.com slash membership. And that's all for today. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week. 